Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series, Progress and Joy, a study on Philippians. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit our website, cbcsavannah.com. It's been a fun 14-ish, I don't know how many weeks we've spent in this book, um, but it's been a bunch. And we want to close it out today. Uh, and we, again, we, we want to do it, we wanted to do it a little bit different and uh, just a celebratory way. And, that, and that's what today's about. And we come to one of those portions of the book that we often ignore. Um, we often kind of, it's kind of like when you get a card on your birthday and, and you open it up and you kind of look at the front and you pretend, oh, isn't this, oh, it's a cute picture. But you're really thinking of one thing. Is there money in the card? Right? And so you're just like, oh, this is nice. You open it up and you see there's something. You're like, yeah. And you see there's something not there. You're like, oh, thank you for thinking of me. In your mind, you're thinking, why did you spend $3? You could have given me just three bucks. It would have been better than a card. That's what you're thinking. Maybe not most of you, but no, most of you, really. And, and their logic, the idea is you open the card and, it's, and there's just nothing for you. So you skip it. Right? Oh, yeah, that's nice. Nice thought. And, and that's the way we sometimes come to these portions of Scripture. Oh, yeah, it's just kind of the end. It's kind of Paul saying goodbye. It's not really for me. It's him saying goodbye to them. And so he kind of just, just like read it real quick. Isn't that nice? And you kind of put it away. But let me just remind you of what Scripture says about Scripture, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So the body of the letter is just as inspired. It is just as much from the heart of God as the closing of the letter. Right? It's just as much God-breathed and it's just as much profitable for reproof and correction and training in righteousness that you and I may be adequate and equipped. And so what I want to do this morning is, is just real briefly, this will be the shortest sermon you ever hear me preach, I promise. Well, maybe not, I promise, but for up until this point. But I just want to kind of look at the last three verses because there are some great reminders for us. Because the book is, we're done the book. Start Advent next week, and after that, we'll do something new in the new year. The book is done, but our progress and our joy in the faith cannot be done, right? And so just a couple reminders in that vein as he closes out this book for us this morning. Three things I just want to highlight. He's talked about humility, complaining, shining like stars, being anxious, contentment, rejoicing. Let's, let's just, let me read our text real brief, and then we'll kind of come back and highlight three things. Verse 21, he says, greet Every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He says, starts off by saying, greet every saint. We did that, right? We tried our best anyway, right? But I want you to think about the words that Paul is using. He uses it twice. Greet every Saint. He's all the saints greet you. Great title. Right? It's a great title. And unfortunately, greatly misunderstood because at some point in the history of the church, not sure when, a saint became someone who did something great. It, the title was based on something you had done, right? Some, you, you were super Christian. So we got St. Paul, St. James. St. Andrew, St. Mary, all these saints, 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 right? And, and that's often the way titles work. We have a title based on what we do, right? Some of you, you're teachers. Why? Because you teach. 
right? Some of you are, are chefs. Why? Because you cook, right? Some of you are engineers because you build trains. I don't know what y'all do. I, I was a PE major. <laughs> Some of you are builders because you build. Some of you are Gamecocks because you lose. <laughs> Got to go there, all right? Just so you know, the Citadel beat them yesterday. Just so you know, just reminding you of that. Um, and, and so, but your title is based on what you do, right? But when we come to the title Saint, this is a title that is not based on what you have done. It is actually based on something that someone else has done. You have done nothing. You've done nothing. And someone else has done everything. And here's the first thing, just to remind you this morning, as we, as we seek to progress, as we seek to grow, as we seek to have joy, you need to remember, if you are a Christian... And what that means, very simply, because everyone thinks they're a Christian because they're born in the South. Everyone who's born in the South is not a Christian. If you have turned from your sin and you have put your faith in the finished work of Jesus, that he came from heaven, he died on a cross, he rose again, and you've put your faith in that for the forgiveness of your sins, you are a Christian. And you, my friend, are this morning a saint. And it's something to remember that you are a saint, that you, in essence, belong to Jesus and you are just as saintly as St. Paul because it has nothing to do with what you have done, has everything to do with what Christ has done on your behalf. You belong to Christ. He has made you his own. You are his, literally the word means holy one, that you have been set apart for God's purposes and set apart from the world. We are his saints. We belong to God. And it is imperative we get that. And there's here two real quick implications on that that I think are important for us. Number one implication is this, that no matter what happens, if you are truly a saint, nothing will change that identity. Nothing can make you unsaint. Because I know what some of y'all are thinking. Because I think it too. You're thinking, this man that is sitting next to me that has his hands up and he's all clappy clap right now. Well, he is not a saint because I live with him and I know. And these little ones, these little ones, the shirt tucked in and have their tie and they're all smiley, smiley. They are not saints. They are devils. Okay? So I, so I get it. I understand. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the reality. Your actions don't determine whether you are or are not a saint. And that is critical for you to get because some of you had a great week. You spent all this time in the Word and you're, you're memorizing the script, you're doing all those things. And, and some of you had horrible weeks. Some of you are still struggling with anxiety. Some of you are still complaining. Some of you still have brokenness in your relationships, right? Some of you still are sinning and, and you're, not, you're not following what Christ has said. Now, that's not good, but that does not make you an unsaint. If you were born again, you are a saint. The Corinthians, one of the most wicked churches in the New Testament, all sorts of issues. What does Paul call them? To the saints in Corinth. Syntyche, Iodia, not getting along, dividing the church. What are they called? Saints. 
Why? Because it is not dependent on what you have done. It is dependent on what Christ has done because he who began a good work in you will complete it, period. That the one who is at work in you and, and willing for his good pleasure, he will finish that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Constantly down the line. If you are in Christ, one of his favorite phrases, 10 times he uses it in Philippi, you are a saint. And you need to hear that because some of you are gonna come in broken and some of you came in this morning, you're like, I can't sing. They want me to greet people and I'm not worthy to even shake hands. And you need to get over that and recognize, yeah, you are broken, which is why you needed a savior. You turn from your sin. I confess my sins. He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I move on because yes, sir, I am a saint. It's huge for us as we move forward. But the second implication is this. Not only does nothing change that identity, but we also, it, it gives us a whole new purpose of life, right? The whole direction of your life because of your identity in Christ has been changed. You're not walking around aimless. My goal is not to be thin, rich, powerful, you know, whatever. That is not now my goal. My goal now is to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? That we are, as he said in 127, to let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel, where we, I've told you, we balance out the scales, that word worthy there means. It's, this is what you've been given in Christ, and now we live it out. Right? We live it out. And, he, and here's, here's where this is huge, y'all. We cannot be a church. We cannot be a group of people who come in here on Sunday and act one way and clappy, clap, clap and singy, sing, sing and then we go out and live a completely different way. Six days a week we're like this, boom. One day a week we're like this. That is not our identity as a saint. And I'm not saying there's not gonna be brokenness. But the question is this. If, if you told people, if people heard that you go to church, people on your team, people at your office, people that work under you, people in your class, people in your whatever, would they be shocked? You go to church. Because if they are shocked to hear you go to church, then you have not been living out your identity. If you're talking and you're just cussing and just your foul mouth, whatever, if they're, if they're used to seeing you down on Broughton Street at two in the morning, staggering around or at some party doing shots, if they're like, they're dating and they go to that church, she ought to wear red on her wedding day. If that's what they're saying, I mean, if that's the reputation you have, that is not living in a manner worthy. And again, what, if that's the case, what do we do? We go back to point one. I have, I, have, I have confessed my sin. I am clean in Christ. But there cannot be this inconsistency. You're a businessman and you're known as this ruthless, hate people, yell at people guy yeah, or, or shady practices at the office says that is not living your, your life man, in a manner worthy of the gospel, right? And we're gonna fall and there's gonna be brokenness. I get that. But there's too much, doesn't really matter. I go to church. That is not living out and carrying the identity of Christ. You represent Jesus and his church wherever you are. And so we gotta remember that. It's a, it's a huge implication to live is Christ. Now, if I go on living in the flesh, what is it? It is fruitful ministry. It's huge. It's a, it's a great reminder for us as we, as we close this book, but we continue on in progress and joy in the faith. So he says, you are in Christ. You are a saint. But here's the second thing. He says, we are all family. 
And you need to be reminded that this group of people in this room, we are family. What does he say? Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Say the brothers and the sisters. If you are a saint and it's not based on anything you have done, look around. What, what are they? They are saints. And it's not based on anything they have done either, right? See, here's our problem in the church. We look around and we see people and what do we see often? We see what's wrong with them. We notice where they're broken. Oh yeah, I, see the, I, you know, I know them. You would, all the time, people come up to me and say, and, and it's good, good meaning, it's not, well, it's not to be hurtful, but they're like, you wouldn't believe who came to church this past Sunday. I mean, and they need to be here. And that's half of y'all. That's people telling me about you. Just so you know, they're like, you wouldn't believe this guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the implication there is what? They need it, but you sure don't. Right? Because we start looking at each other, and instead of seeing that person's a saint, we think, oh, yeah, they're a saint, but I'm a little bit more saintly. And let me just remind you, that is how the dogs think. Go back and read chapter three. Beware the dogs those who, who circumcise the flesh, those who believe that by doing something, they make themselves better. That's the, that is the path to the dark side of legalism. I had to go that in there because we got three weeks, y'all. I'm just telling you. <laughs> right? That's the path of legalism. It's the path to destruction. And so you've got to grasp the fact that everyone around here, if they're, if they're Christian, is saints. And that changes the way that you relate because they got the same dad. How did you get here? Grace. How did they get here? Grace. How did you get here? You were adopted in. How did they get here? You were adopted in. And every, look, your past, they got a past. Everyone's got a past. Everyone's got some sort of past. Right? Even, even these people in the verse, he says, the saints, especially those of Caesar's household, they have a past. You got Romans who are typically in opposition to Christianity. You got people working for Caesar in his own house that are now what? Family. He says, the brothers from Caesar's household greet you. And it would have been shocking for these folks to hear that those counseling and living in Caesar's house were now followers of Jesus. The, the person that was their enemy is now their brother. And that is what God does. He takes those who are natural enemies. Look, most of y'all in this room, because of where I'm from, because of my background, because of the way I was raised, you were my enemy. I was raised to hate you because you like the Braves and some of you like the Cowboys. And that's about as bad as it gets. All right? And, and now I have this quandary because in Jesus, I have to love y'all. And it's hard. It's hard. It's a daily struggle. I'm like, how can they be so foolish and deceived, Lord? but I got to do it. But what God does is he takes people who are natural enemies. And in the church, he says, no, no, now there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male. There is no female. There's no Cowboys fans. There is all are one in Christ. He gives us an uncommon bond. We are family. And here's why this is vital. In the world we live in, out there, there is racism, there is classism, there's all the isms. And in here, it cannot happen. Because we are all one in Christ. 
right? We're all one. And what the world should see is a church that that's not the issue. They should say, why is it not the issue in the church? It's an issue on this college campus and it's an issue in this city and it's an issue in this country, but they got, it's not an issue for them. Why is that? And we could say only one reason, because I was adopted in and he was adopted in and now he's my brother from another mother and we have the same daddy, right? That's the way it should be. And if there's gonna be progress and joy in the faith, that's the way it has to be. All right, it has to be that, right? Because the gospel is, is the, at the forefront of what we're doing. Because we need each other. That person is different, you need that person. That God has brought that person who is different to grow you, right? How, we've talked about this from day one. Two ways in which God equips, two ways in which God grows his people. Through the spirit-inspired word of God and through the spirit-filled Christian. Right? And, and if you think about this, how many books of the Bible did this church in Philippi have to this point? One. And they just got it. They didn't have a Bible. There was no quiet times going on. Right? And now they're fighting over the one letter to have. I want to do my quiet time tomorrow. Okay, you get, the, you get the letter. Okay, But there's no, they don't have a quiet time Bible. What do they have? They have each other to build each other up in the faith. That's all they have. The body encourages and strengthens and challenges the body because we're family. And families do. That's what we do. And that's why he puts so much value on greet every saint, everyone, every single one, the littlest to the biggest. It's a big family. It's a big Greek fest here. Greet, 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 greet. There's a priority. No one is left out. No one is to be ignored. And, here, and this is why. This is, this is, I know this is not the all-encompassing part of this, but this is why we do a greeting, y'all. And this is why we give you typically a three or four minute greeting. Today it was about a nine or 10 minute one. But this is why we do it. It's that we are supposed to be a hospitable group of people. And hospitality is just simply the art of recognizing other people. It's taking a notice of people. It's taking an interest. And if there's gonna be progress and there's gonna be growth, then we have to be a church that is hospitable. And hospitality, I know, is beyond a greeting and it's beyond just making a meal, but this is what God has called us to do. Be hospitable with, to one another without complaint. That's what Peter says. And one of the simple applications of that is the greeting time. Look, I know some of y'all hate it. I mean, some of you are like, I don't, even, I don't like people and I don't like singing. I just like Jesus, so just preach. And you would come 20 minutes late if you could. Right, Just so you can hear the praising and then you leave. I get it. But this is not a personality type thing. This is who we are. This is what God does. He welcomes us. Right? And so let me just encourage you. Right? Some of you are like, well, isn't it the greeting team's job to do this? You are the greeting team. This church, you are the greeting team. You have an opportunity every time you come in here to potentially change someone's future We've had folks that'll email and say, and I get these more than often, but it was so welcome. Thank you, came to your church. Someone showed my kids this, and it was so great. And someone said hello, and it was, it was awesome. And when I hear those emails, I'm like, it's like I have the, the pleasure of God. I, it delights in me to hear that y'all are doing that. But once, maybe twice a year, I get the, the other side. I get the, came to your church. No one said hi to me. It was a bummer. Liked the service, but it was just kind of hard because no one ever said anything to me. And, and those make me sad because that's not who God is. Right? And I know we're getting, as we get larger, people slip through the cracks. And I'm not, 
It's just the way it is sometimes. But just let me encourage you, even if you're like, I hate greeting time, I just want the sermon. Look for people, look, be, take notice of others. Take notice. Look, don't, they're not greeting time. Look for people who are alone, right? Look for people who came alone. And I get it, sometimes you go up to someone, you're like, hey, is this your first time here? And they're like, no, I've been here four years. And you're like, oh, me too. <laughs> just never met you before. I, happens all the time. But sometimes you're gonna grab somebody, it's gonna be their first time. And you, you can engage them and welcome them and thank them for coming. And hey, if you have any questions, let me know. You don't know how far that will go. You just don't, you just don't know. It's so important. Be alert. You remember the first time you came into this crazy place. When you were like, and it was even crazier in that building over there, right? Everyone was like kind of packed on top of each other. We're carrying each other around, right? <laughs> and it was just crazy. Just remember how those people feel the first time and, and welcome. It is, it is what we are. It is what we do. It is what God has done for us. It is a reflection of the gospel that we are hospitable, right? Because we're family. We welcome new people into the family. We are saints. We are family. And last thing is this, is that we as a church, if there's gonna be progress, if there's gonna be joy, we are empowered and motivated by grace, right? Why are you here? Why am I here? I don't deserve to be here and neither do you. I don't deserve heaven and neither do you. The only reason we are here is because Jesus Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, he became a servant, he was made in the likeness of men, he humbled himself, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that now God has highly exalted him and given him the name above all names, so that we will all one day bow, we will all confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is why you are here. That's why we worship Christ. It's all because of grace, and I love how he ends the, ends the book the same way he began. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. How did he begin the book? Grace and peace from God. He begins the way he ends. And how does the entire Bible end, by the way? You know what John in the end of Revelation says? Grace be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus. That is our, that is our bond. That's what brings us together. That is our motivation. If we're gonna do anything in the name of Christ, it is going to be because of grace. There, this is the greatest ending of any book ever written. Grace. I, I Googled best endings of books this week. Right? Best endings of books. Here's, and, and these are some good endings. Let me see if you know what these are. See how educated we are. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have done. It is a far, far better place that I go to than I have ever known. What's that book? Anyone know? Very good. See, we're smarter than I thought. There we go. We're good. First service was like, I never read that book, right? This is the literature group right here. Good. Tale of Two Cities. All right. How about this one? You might know this one. Tomorrow, I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. Gone with the wind. Yeah, some of y'all southern ladies, gone with the wind. All right? Here's another one. But I reckon I got a light out for the territory ahead of the rest because Aunt Sally, she's going to adopt me and civilize me and I can't stand it. I've been there before. Huck Finn, right? Great book. Huck Finn. Wasn't the book of Revelation, y'all, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Here's one. This is a great one. It is not 
often someone comes along that's a true friend and a good writer. Charlotte was both. Charlotte's well. Good. That's a sad one. Makes me cry. Awesome. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite of, of these. No. The, <laughs> the force will be with you. <laughs> I don't know if there's a Star Wars book, though. So, um, I treasure my remark to my grandson who asked, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? Grandpa said, no, but I served in a company of heroes, band of brothers. And as good, look, as good as some of those are, and they are good, the greatest ending to any book is the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. This is our ending. This is our future. Because you're gonna fall this week, but there'll be grace. Some of you are gonna be depressed this week, there's gonna be grace. Some of you are gonna feel aimless and unloved, and there will be grace. There will be this never-ending ocean of grace. And when we get to heaven, what are we gonna be singing about? The lamb who was slain because of his grace. It's our story. It's our, it empowers us. It will continue us as we progress in joy. So let's, let's worship our God of grace. Let's praise him for his grace. Let's remember his grace. Uh, let's worship the one who at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Stand with me and we pray and we'll sing. Father, just as we close out this book, we are your saints, we are one as a family, and we are empowered and motivated by grace. May that continue to bring us joy. May that continue to pro progress us in the faith. Maybe that somebody this morning would even grasp for the first time that they are separated from you because of their sin and they need grace, that they need to put their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that they would experience that for the first time. I don't know, Lord, but... I just pray for a church that loves your grace, that trusts in it, and that doesn't abuse it. We don't say, should I sin that grace may increase? May it never be. That we are motivated by grace to let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel which saves us. As we sing, as we worship, as we celebrate, just be glorified, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen.